Welcome to the Live Awaken podcast, life coaching for women physicians of color. Create more freedom to simply be who you want to be. Do the things that make you feel alive and create a deeper connection with those you love. It's time to choose you. I'm your host, Dr. Pyle patel Guile. Hi, welcome to episode number three, What Will People Think? Now I know this comes up a lot, but so many of us don't even realize it's happening. What will people think is a phrase that we've heard time after time after time. And this goes back to when we were children, right? Um, Don't wear that dress. What will people think? Fix your hair because what will people think? Why were you talking to all those boys at the party? What will people think? It is such a common thought that comes up. And especially if you grew up in a home where society and community was important, right? And this may not be true for everyone, but for most of us, um, especially when you come from a home, uh, Asian home, Latin home, uh, Middle Eastern home, um, you know, even, and I have to say European families, right? I have clients who... Um, have a very strong Italian or Greek background, and it matters too. So growing up, we kept hearing that, what will people think? Apply for college and make sure you do well, because what will people think if you don't get into a good college? Stop eating all those sweets you're putting on weight. What will people think? All right, you guys get the point, right? It's funny because it's not just something that comes up, you know, in our formative years. Um, This we carry with us into our adult life. So I had a client that I coached uh, last week and she, you know, had a very simple thought, right? She is a uh, integrative pain fellow currently doing her fellowship and she grew up in a home uh, a chinese home where um, acupuncture was normal and used frequently and actually her mom was an acupuncturist and she knows i'm sharing this story so it's not a hipaa violation or any kind of violation Um, and so she's in this fellowship right now but she keeps getting drawn to potential treatment options that are not hyper-invasive or interventional, um, that don't cost so much, um, but may not have as much evidence, right? And one of my biggest questions for her was, well, how do you know? She was drawn to me because um, I have training in integrative medicine in addition to my uh, training as a general pediatrician. And I told her, I said, how do you know that there is 
not enough evidence. And she's like, well, look at all the, you know, double-blinded studies that are out there for some of these really high-tech interventional treatments. And I asked her, I said, but who's doing those tests? Who's doing those studies? It's people with money, people with some kind of incentive, right? But if you looked into it, you would see there's tons of data out there. Um, and definitely in our training, everything was evidence-based. So we learned, yeah, there is evidence for this. So once we went through this whole thought process of evidence-based medicine, which comes up for us all the time, right? Even coaching, right? Like what's the evidence, right? Well, the evidence is sitting in front of you. You're listening to it. I changed my life 180 degrees because I believed that it was possible. I did the work and now we have articles uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine, JAMA, teaching us how valuable this work is. And the truth is it actually saves institutions, companies, medical groups, lots and lots of money to provide these kind of services to their physicians because replacing a doctor because of um, burnout, overwhelm, mental illness, suicide is way more expensive than offering and encouraging coaching. And this doesn't have to come from the institution. None of my coaching, and I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaching and training as a coach, but getting coached, and all of it came out of my per diem pediatric salary. Anyways, so there's definitely data. And then I asked her, and going back to you know her evidence-based question about acupuncture, I said, what have you, what have you done to research that? And she... I think was just kind of spinning in this thought that it wasn't there, so I'm not going to look for it. Once we got through that part, I said, well, what's the problem now? Now you know there's evidence, right? And you have an interest in this. So what's next? And the next thing she said was so classic, right? And stuff that I think of myself all the time in different areas. She said, what will people think if I offer acupuncture in my pain intervention practice. I asked her, what will people think? She's like, they might think that I have done this fellowship and I wasted my time and I took someone else's spot who could have gained from this high-tech, super uh, involved treatment options for pain. I asked her, who are the people who are thinking this? And that was so funny because to be honest, it wasn't any one specific person. It was just being accepted by this large group of unknown individuals. And I asked her, what do those people look like in your mind? And she didn't want to say anything because of course we always want to be politically correct. And I said, well, if we're talking about the older docs in your PM&R 
training program. And we're talking about those who have been there for a while and well-established practices. It's probably men and it's probably white men. And we all know that's true, right? Medicine, when it started, all of them looked the same. And slowly, we've had the influx of women and then in the influx of people of color, right? But the smallest minority is women of color in medicine. But they are the biggest asset. I am a huge asset in medicine. You're a huge asset in medicine. We need to cultivate the space and make it a safe space for us. But if we keep thinking, what will they think? We're holding ourselves back for what, from what's possible. So she said, people will think these thoughts. I said, so how can you control what they think about you. And the thing that came up, which was supernatural, and I really appreciated that, was, well, if I just do what everyone else has done, and I don't stand out, and I just go with the flow, I won't be noticed. And if I'm not noticed, there won't be any thoughts about me. I said, that's great. If that's where you want to stay, you're fine, you're good, our, our discussion here is done. But are you living authentically? Are you living in a way that seems genuine to who you are? Because there's a reason that you're being drawn to this type of new treatment. Well, it's not new, actually, it's old, but to be more inclusive. And she said, but it feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable to be a trailblazer. What if it wasn't that you're trying to be a trailblazer? What if it was you're just trying to be you? You're trying to have your own voice, not play small, not be a fly on the wall. Oh, but that just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. And then I went into, well, what are all the things that you've done in your life that created some form of discomfort? And what came of that? So she was quiet for a little bit and she says to me, well, it definitely was uncomfortable when I was in my career path, like studying to be a doctor, getting into med school, getting into residency, getting into fellowship. I said, yeah, how did you feel on those interviews? How did you feel on match day? And she's like, yeah, uncomfortable. Huh, that's funny. You felt uncomfortable, but you still did it. And then you got the results that you wanted. And the other thing that came up, which I love to give this example, and I know most of you who are listening, um, you know, may have children. And so I said, how comfortable were you all the months that you were pregnant or when you were giving birth to your babies? Even if 
you've adopted your children, even if you know, you're a step parent, whatever it is, if you're a parent, whatever it took to um, obtain these little beings in your life, it was uncomfortable, right? It was extremely uncomfortable, but you still did it. And you don't live in that, oh my God, it was so uncomfortable, my back hurt the last trimester, or oh my God, I was in labor just pushing for four hours, right? Like those are not the thoughts that come up in your mind on a regular basis. It's done. It was the price you paid to get the gift that you wanted. So what if it's uncomfortable to do something that you want? Something that brings you joy, brings you purpose and passion. That's when everything changed. And I want you guys to think in your life, where are you staying small because it's uncomfortable to speak up? It's uncomfortable to take a chance on yourself. Maybe apply for the promotion or ask to change your schedule so you can have more work-life integration. Where else in your life are you avoiding that next level? I did it for years and years because I was scared. I was scared of change. I didn't know what was on the other side. And the doctor in me, the type A perfectionist doctor in me likes to control everything. And I know for a fact that you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. If we can't control it, and if we don't know what's on the other side, we will fear it and avoid it. At least in medicine, there's a path, right? If you want to be a physician, there's a path. Good grades in high school, good college, med school, residency, for many people, fellowship, right? You have almost 10 years of your life mapped out. And then suddenly you're in the real world and you're making decisions and decisions that matter, right? That, that, that are life and death choices, right? And you're trying to figure out how to play big and, and, and live this life and balance it all, if that's even possible, without being uncomfortable. I want you to think about where am I staying small? What do I want to change? And will I ever be ready? Because if you're waiting to be ready for that next step in your personal or professional life, it won't come. No one's ever ready at the get-go. There's just a possibility of allowing that to happen. Just want to leave you with that thought.
what will people think? They're thinking nothing about you. None of their day, their mental space is being taken by you. You are not so important in other people's lives that they ruminate over us. So why do we spend our time ruminating over them? Let go of what will people think and start asking yourself, what do I think? Thank you for listening. Have a beautiful day. Hey, if you're ready to advocate for yourself by listening to your inner voice so you can live in freedom, wake up every day with purpose, and enjoy your work and family, check out my website at www.pileguile.com. On the website, you'll have the opportunity to join my program, sign up for a free workshop, or just check out my blog. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend, leave a review, or just reach out. I'd love to hear from you.